Hello, and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. Welcome to season four of Giving Voice to Depression. Who'd have thunk, huh, Terry? Yay! It's awesome. We just celebrated our first anniversary, and in that year, we've gone from 100 plays in our first month to more than a thousand plays in a week. Each week. And that number will continue to go up as you tell people how hearing these firsthand accounts from others who've been there helps you know you're not alone and that there's help and hope and that depression's darkness does clear. Today's episode began as a depression 101, (laughs) a look at what depression is and what it isn't, its symptoms, and ways that we can take care of ourselves and support others in our lives who are struggling. But because it features psychologist Anita Sands from our popular holiday episode, it ended up being so much more. This is one that you're going to want to share. Because if you have depression, Anita offers some great advice, practical, real advice that you're going to want your friends and family to hear. And if you don't have depression, yet want to help somebody who does, she's going to tell you exactly how. This is a very, very serious medical illness that affects pretty much every single area of the person's life. And I and many other people believe it really is the psychological equivalent of cancer. So let's start there. Depression is real, real common and real serious. And untreated, like cancer, it can be fatal. So don't let stigma or someone else's ignorance stop you from taking care of yourself. If you recognize yourself or someone else in the factors we're about to describe, get some help. It's no way to live. So what we look at when someone comes in are basically changes in several different areas of the person's life. The first, and the one that's probably the most obvious to the person experiencing it and those around them, is a change in mood. Generally, they're going to have an increase in feelings of sadness. Um, Sometimes they aren't really sad, though, all of the time. What they are noticing is having a loss of energy that basically puts them at a deficit in terms of dealing with the stresses in life. So they're just on edge and very irritable with people. So there may not be a lot of sadness and crying. There may be actually an increase in irritability. Um, And then kind of one of the later stages of of depression when it's more severe, uh, one of the changes that in mood that you'll see is actually moving towards a sense of numbness uh, or an inability to feel anything. And that's when we really start to worry, you know, about the person. A significant change in energy levels is another warning sign. Meaning that they'll be agitated and unable to sort of um, focus or get anything done, uh, fidgeting a lot. But it's going to be a change from their normal state of functioning. Or they might notice the opposite, which is that they might notice that they become more vegetative uh, fatigued, uh, feeling like there's just lead sort of moving through their, their, their blood, just that they can't get moving, can't get any motivation going. And that's one of the interesting things that you'll see with depression is extremes on 
either end. So either agitation or vegetation. Interesting. Only from a clinical perspective, we assure you. The words we'd choose? Well, this is a family program. So another major change comes in behaviors and activities. So a person with depression um, who is normally pretty purposeful and motivated and um, you know going about their life and feeling good about it suddenly is unable to find motivation, doesn't seem to care very much anymore about doing the things that they used to do, can't really find much meaning in them, and either stops doing those or does them but sort of feels like they're doing what we call the zombie walk. Withdrawing from people and social situations and changes in sleeping and eating in either direction, more or less, are also symptoms. And then there are the negative changes in what Anita calls the thinking part of the person. So um, a person who has um, depressive symptoms is going to notice a change in their ability to focus and concentrate, to get their work done, to think clearly, and um, a, a term that is often used both in my field and also that clients come in, they'll, they'll describe having something called brain fog. And then the content of the thoughts also shifts and changes with depression. And so people begin to um, think about themselves differently and, and increases of these feelings of, of guilt and, and worthlessness that are very common and that uh, therapists will always check uh, to see if that's happening. And then also thoughts about death and suicide or hopelessness. Those, those have to be explored uh, to see whether or not uh, the, the person's level of depression is considered to be um, in the mild or the moderate or in the severe range, because um, thoughts will also begin to shift and change with the level of depression. Professionals, and that is who you need to see to get to the bottom of this, your doctor, a psychologist, or a therapist, will then assess how severe those changes are and ask how long they've been going on. Usually the symptoms for depression have to last longer than two weeks, and that's partly because everyone experiences you know, at times where they feel sad or um, where they're uh, grieving a loss. And for um, depression, this is unrelenting. It is unremitting. And so when, when these symptoms and their severity uh, do not lift, and particularly at the two-week mark, that's when we begin to look at least a, at a diagnosis and the, the need for treatment. And since we understand it can be hard to take in information when you're depressed, we're going to very quickly go over that again. Really, what I usually just encourage people to do is to assess whether or not they're experiencing changes in those different areas, your mood, your energy level, how active you are, and whether you are um, still engaging in all of the tasks and behaviors that you normally do, or if there's been a significant change, if you're withdrawing from people socially, have there been significant changes in your sleep and your appetite? Has there been a change in your ability to concentrate and focus? And is there a significant change in the kinds of thoughts that you're having? And particularly if um, they're moving in a depressive spiral, in, including those feelings of guilt and worthlessness or thoughts of death and hopelessness. So if the answer to a bunch of those questions is yes or hell yes, what do you do? What you do is, first of all, please go and see a therapist and or your your family doctor and then a therapist. Um, I can't 
emphasize enough how the combination of speaking to someone and getting medication, if that would be necessary, is going to be helpful. So you want to work with someone who can diagnose you correctly and who can then treat you. Anita acknowledges there isn't one magical cure. Some people swear by one thing, others another. Work with a professional to find the right combination for you. Just like if you were fighting cancer, uh, you wouldn't want to just take um, one form of treatment if what they were recommending was a combination of you know, gene therapy plus your chemotherapy plus your radiation plus uh, an advocate and group therapy. You know, if, they, if the outcomes really can be um, switched in a positive direction by adding them all together, that's what you want to do. And the same thing is true in terms of treating depression. Okay, now we're going to shift a little bit. We had to detail all that, but the truth is a lot of that information could be found in a Google search if you were lucky enough to find both a credible and understandable source. But this next part, you're only going to get from a really good therapist. And Anita is one, which is why we asked her back. She's the therapist you wish you or your parents, partner, or friends had. And she sort of can be if you share this. One of the best things in the world is if you are noticing any type of change is just to make it okay to talk about it. So if you're observing changes in the person's mood, if you've seen them withdrawing, if you're, if you're noticing um, that they're more tired than usual or having difficulty um, with their thoughts or saying things that sound very negative, you want to gently open up the conversation with them and make it okay. And I'm, I'm recalling a, a quote that I read that was Michael Phelps talking to another Olympian, a female swimmer, and he said, you know, that I can tell something's wrong and I'm here if you want to talk about it, but if you don't want to talk to me, I will help you find some help. When I heard that, I thought, oh, I would love someone to say that to me. Absolutely. And and to be willing to um, facilitate that. Um, sometimes, depending on how how bad the, like, for example, just the brain fog or the motivation or the ability to sort of put one foot in front of the other, um, you know, that depression can, can be for someone uh, saying, listen, you know, if you'd like, I can look into, you know, what resources um, are available and I'd be more than willing to go with you or to help you schedule, you know, the first therapy appointment. Um, Sometimes just being willing to help that person take the first steps can make all of the difference. They, they be maybe more than willing to go along with a plan um, that they are certainly a part of as opposed to them trying to find the motivation and the ability to put a plan together for themselves. That is so, so right, because mm-hmm. if you stay in it and you believe the lies depression tells you and you sink deeper and deeper, mm-hmm. you are less and less and less and less uh, able to access help, yes. uh, even like you said, to make a plan. Mm-hmm. And, and it can last so much longer than it needs to and get so much darker and deeper. Right. So I absolutely love that. Yeah. So fr- friends and family members don't, don't have to feel, um, I think that they are being controlling by simply offering and saying, listen, you know, I, I can look up the name of a good therapist or I know the name of a good therapist. Would you mind if I made an appointment and went with you and I can sit out in the waiting room? You know, just just to say, I can take care of all of the footwork. I can take care of all of that. And then you just, you know, you you don't even have to just show up. I'll get you there. And then you can, you know, we can take it from there. Like you're saying, it can make such a huge difference in getting the person there. 
if you've never experienced depression and you're asking, really? As people who do, we're going to say, yeah, really. Even if the person says, no, thank you, or something less polite, at least they know someone cares, someone's trying. And since words matter, and since none of us really knows how to do this right or well, Anita even offers a script. One of the things that I I often encourage people to do if we're, if we're really trying to encourage someone to think about going to therapy is to really emphasize that they deserve this. Because again, what depression does is it does lie to the person and it lies to them about things being hopeless. It lies to the person about them being um, kind of worthless, that they don't really deserve it. And so being able to say, listen, you deserve to feel better. You deserve to have a good life, and that's what this is about. That's what going and seeing this person is about. Um, and that's a much nicer message, I think, than saying, you know, there's something wrong with you, and you need to get fixed. So I really recommend people put the emphasis on you deserve to feel better, and you deserve a good life, and I want to help make that happen for you. Oh, she's so practical and clear. I love it. I do, too. Can you imagine having somebody say those things to you? You don't even have to show up. I'll get you there. I'll do the legwork. I want to make, you know, your life better because you deserve that. Exactly. And I want to help make that happen for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the analogy to cancer, I think, is really interesting, too, because cancer is sort of rogue cells dividing rapidly and depression is, you know, rogue negative thoughts, like rapid firing. Hmm. Um, and in both cases, we need to take steps to control it. And in both cases, it can kill. Right. It can. So we will post the symptoms of depression, including the ones that we just went through on our Facebook page. Uh, when we post this episode, it'll also be on our website, which is givingvoicetodepression.com. And please join us on our Facebook community because it's really... Over this past year, Terry, I'm just in awe at what a respectful and supportive space it's become. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have uh, even probably believed it could happen uh, these days uh, in this environment on the Internet. But knock on wood, we've really never had even a harsh comment. Yep. And you can find us on Twitter by typing in at Voice Depression. Mm-hmm. And the Facebook page is just giving voice to depression. And please help us spread the word because we really do need funding to keep expanding our ever-growing reach. And to do that, we need your help. So thank you. And here we go. Season four. I look forward. We've got so many good interviews. I just we're excited to share them and uh, all of us learn together and support each other. And I want to repeat how Anita closed out. You deserve to feel better and to have a good life. Yep. And I want to help you make that happen. Love it. Bye, Bridge. Bye, Terry. Love you. Love you, too. We hope that these shared stories bring out a little more understanding or help people articulate their experiences of depression a little more clearly or more freely. Thanks to all, everyone who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. You can find all the other episodes, some resources, and a blog on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And you can find the podcast most of the other places that you find podcasts. Just Google it, as our mom says. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up. Listen up.